Good morning. Do not forget, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is one of the most important offerings we pursue each year uh, because it goes directly to our missionaries who are in the field. Our goal this year is $175 million. That's not First Baptist Jackson. We're not trying to raise that here. Um, I think $10,000 is our goal here. And so uh, it is a, it's a lofty goal, but it is one I think that is attainable. Um, next slide. Congratulations to our high school team for winning their first state championship. <laughs> Kentucky also beat South Carolina yesterday. It just didn't seem as important, but, uh, but anyway, so proud of our guys and our school. And uh, what an amazing, it's one of those things I, I tell other people from Kentucky. It's like that uh, our high school team was uh, not so good. Uh, so I didn't, so I'm, I'm living vicariously through here, the people of Jackson. So I'm, I've, I've made it my own. I've just, I've, I've just let you know. I've just say it's, it's my team. Um, so, so I hope you're okay with that. Today is, uh, we continue our season of Advent. And today... Uh, we light the candle. But my lighter was still in there. We light the candle of faith. And it is a progression as we anticipate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we, the, it, last week was the prophet's candle. This week is the faith candle, but also it's known as the Bethlehem candle. And so we'll be looking at the story of, start looking at the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2. I remember the first church I pastored on Christmas Day, or fell on a Sunday and one of the deacons got very upset because I preached out of John chapter 1. And he said, that's not a Christmas passage. It is. But uh, it is. Uh, but he didn't like it. He wanted to hear Luke chapter 2. Um, but so if you are a Luke chapter 2 person, well, you are in luck. Because we're going to spend the next few weeks uh, in Luke chapter 2 as we lead into Christmas. It is a very familiar passage because... Uh, we, uh, I don't know if you do this in your house, but at our house at Christmas time, we would actually read the Christmas story. Um, this year, we are doing our candlelight service uh, virtually. Uh, and what that means is, is we will be here uh, doing the music and everything, uh, but you won't be there. Uh, we'll be distributing candles the Sunday the 20th for you to take home, and, and we are trying to think in terms of, and, and the reason for it is is that we, we have so many people who respond to uh, the Christmas Eve service, and we pack this place so well, uh, we did not want to turn people away. We didn't want to have it to be a, a place where it was an endangerment to people. We didn't want it to be a, any type of super spreader event. So this year, and this year only, uh, we are uh, hoping that we are trying to envision in our minds families being at home, and uh, listening to the Christmas story being shared, uh, singing the songs along with us, and then us lighting our candles together uh, as we would, but uh, in our homes. Uh, so, uh, and uh, it, it, and so it, it will lack something, but that is kind of 
the order of the year is everything we're doing, it just kind of lacks something. And that's a good thing because that means that we have a higher expectation. We, we know there's something more that we should be experiencing, something more we're trying to get to a place where something where we, where we have kind of a, our home restored. It's kind of like when our family is all fragmented and splintered apart and everybody's in different places and we're talking on FaceTime and so forth. While those things are nice and they do connect us and we are so glad for that technology, we know that we long to where we're all together. It's very different when we're able to be in the same room together and celebrating together. We will get there. It will just be a process. And so we just will trust God for that. But let us look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And, and, and it kind of ties together all of it for us because it is, it is about faith today. It is about believing that when things don't look like they're coming together the way they're supposed to come together, uh, that we, we can look back and go, oh, this is how it was. It all looks nice and neat and wonderful and, and so forth. But when it was happening, didn't seem so nice, didn't seem so neat, didn't seem so wonderful. Uh, but but in, in the end, God accomplished everything he indeed desired to accomplish. Look with me in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there... The time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him, in uh, wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word. Father, what an amazing story of how you came to this earth to be with us. And we have greatly romanticized the event. Lord, um, I've been to Bethlehem. It's a rough little place. And Lord, it's a, a place where the only reason anybody would go there is because of the history of, of what you did there. But Lord, may we not miss today. May we not miss that in the same way you were working through the circumstances of their time and bringing all these things into place at just the right moments. Father, you are doing the same thing today for us. In ordinary, commonplace ways, you are bringing about your amazing plan of redemption, changing the world in little quiet places, in places of turmoil, in places of political unrest, in places where it seems like nothing is happening. Father, it doesn't matter what we see. What matters is what you are doing through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we trust that you are doing all that needs to be done. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things we're going to find that are so important to us 
And that's God's timing, God's direction, God's provision, all right here in this little story of how they got to Bethlehem. And it begins with God's timing. God's timing. I, I remember a story a friend told me how when he was a kid, he was outside playing in a building, and he uh, there was they had. and seek and he hid so they left they just thought he'd gone home or gone somewhere else so he's locked inside this freezer that's airtight the limited air capacity something that people had died from his brother his older brother uh, had come home that day not supposedly come home, but forgot his lunch and was coming home to get lunch. And he said as he was walking to the house, he just stopped and thought, I need to go out there and check the freezer. Now, he has no idea why he had that thought. I mean, that was just almost an unusual thing for him to go look in the freezer. But he said, he just as he was getting ready to go inside the house to get his lunch, he thought, I'm going to go out there to this old freezer. That nothing's in. <laughs> so he goes out and he opens up the freezer and there's this little brother inside. I mean, you can't, there's nothing else you can say except that God arranged that entire event. He had the little boy in the freezer, knew he was there, had his brother come home, prompted his brother to go open the freezer at just the right moment in order to save his life. When I look back in the Old Testament, you know, it's easy for us to say that uh, God told Noah, build the ark, and then we see the unfolding of events. But if you look at it from a world's perspective, didn't it seem pretty coincidental that Noah got that boat built just before it started raining? <laughs> That's pretty amazing because we think like that, right? We think in terms of we don't know when it's going to rain. And so if we were building something for 100 years and uh, waiting for something to happen after 100 years, wouldn't it be amazing timing to have it done exactly at the right moment when rain started to fall from the sky? Well, the reason why we say, oh, of course it's supposed to happen that way, because God is the one who made it rain. Exactly. God is the one who makes everything happen. And he makes it happen exactly when he wants it to happen. I, I think the coming of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is, one of, is the single greatest historical event to remind us of the sovereignty of God. He had the right rulers in place. He had Caesar Augustus. He had Quirinius. He had uh, all these different pilot. Uh, later on, Pilate becomes the leader that's supposed to be there. He has everything arranged exactly the way he wants it to be at exactly the right time for exactly the right purposes. Now you think about it. He could have come at any other time in history. He could have come at, he could come now. He could have, he could have waited till this point to bring Jesus onto the scene. Some very unique things were happening in the world when Jesus arrived on the scene. The Bible had just been produced in one language. It was produced it's called the Septuagint. It was produced in Greek. And everybody in the world, you had Alexander the Great conquering the world and doing something that that hadn't been done before. He was making every nation that he conquered learn the language of Greek. So everybody in the known world was speaking the same language. 
And the Bible was brought onto the, uh, so the Bible was produced in that language, previously just in Hebrew, but now in Greek. So people for the first time were reading the Word of God, understanding what God's Word is. And when we talk about the Word of God at this point, it's just the Old Testament. But even as Jesus came on the scene, lived his life and so forth, and produced, now they, they produce the New Testament in Greek, and it's being circulated throughout the world, speaking the same language. Paul being a Greek-speaking Jew, a good example. And so all these things happening at a time when you can maximize the effect of the events that were getting ready to unfold. Now, God knows this. God is making things happen and having it unfold perfectly in harmony with the prophecies he's given already to the prophets of old. Just at the right time. Look again in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. Now this is Luke giving us, Luke's a historian, he's giving us this account, and he is, he is someone who is interviewing all these different people, and he would have been one to be able to see how all these events are coming together at just the right time. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And here's what I try to remind myself and want you to remember today. Whatever you read or hear in the news, whatever events and circumstances occur, trust that God's plan for your life is right on schedule. Or schedule, if you're fancy. But God is overseeing your life. And while it feels like this should have happened a week earlier, or this should happen a week later, or this should be happening two years from now, or five years now, or, or whatever, He has it where it needs to be. He's got you where you need to be. Because this is mind-blowing to me. Because I think about all these characters, all these people in the time of Jesus who are thinking independently of one another each doing their own will, each making mistakes, some doing things right, many doing things wrong, all making decisions, and it's going this way and this way and this way, and yet God still weaves it all together to make everything happen at exactly when it's supposed to happen. Now, if he can do that with Jesus, if he can make Jesus come, boom, right at the right moment to where she gives birth on the exact day when she's supposed to, in the exact place where she's supposed to be, and all these things are happening exactly the way God wants them to in His time. And He does it for you too. He does it for me. He is, he is arranging things in a way according to His time. Now, does that mean I can be disobedient and there are no consequences of that disobedience? It doesn't mean that at all. There were consequences of everybody's disobedience all, the, all throughout time, and everything everybody was doing, they, they faced the consequences of doing things wrong. It just means that Romans 8.28 is true, that he does work all things together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That means he, in spite of evil and sin and all the things, God takes all those things into account and gets his people where they need to be when they need to be there. It's, it's supposed to be comforting to us because this is, what, this is what it's supposed to combat in our minds. When you get in your head that this person or this thing has happened, a tornado occurs or 
a hurricane or a coronavirus comes out or whatever, that somehow if that hadn't happened, we would have got to where we needed to be. But now that this has happened, we're not going to be able to get there. And God's saying, no, I knew that was going to happen. I knew these things were going to take place. When you need to get there, when this needs to happen, it will happen according to my time. According to my time. So not only do we have God's timing, but we have God's direction. Now when I think about the direction of God, this is because to my Star Wars experience, I always think of the Force in those movies where they use the Force and they close their eyes and they know go right or go left. I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but I've, there have been times when I've been lost and I've tried to say, God, should I go left or should I go right? And try to try to sense something, show me something, a bird flying in that direction or my signal you know, working something or doing something weird, uh, trying to sense this, what direction should I go? This is not what we're talking about. That's just my weirdness. But that's, that's not the impression I want to give you. That's not how we're supposed to. Not that God can't do it. Not that God can't give you individual directions. Not that he, uh, he doesn't a lot. Um, I have a better sense of direction than my wife has, and that's not because I'm more spiritual than she has. It's just because I can read a map and she can't. Um, but... And, I, and, and Kim and I have this kind of joke. We, we come, this happened so many times in our married life that now it's like I've, I've, we get to an intersection. I say, do you think we should go right or left? She says, I think we should go right. And I said, well, then you know that means I have to go left, right? Correct? And so, and, she, and now it, it used to be she used to be offended by it, but now she's like, you're, you're, yes, that's correct. Because Kim, when she thinks of things, I give her directions and I'll write out the directions. I'll say, turn left at the third stoplight. And she'll call me and she says, I'm lost. I said, well, did you turn left at the third stoplight? She said, well, when I got there, it just didn't feel like I should go left. <laughs> but God, more so than just simply giving us an impression, God engineers the world. Engineers all of creation to move us where we need to be, when we need to be there. I mean, when Rome fell in AD 70, and, and all of, not Rome, but when Jerusalem fell to Rome in AD 70, when all the Jews and Jewish Christians were forced out and going all over the place, he is moving people in the places where they need to be through the political events of the day. When um, Henry Blackaby always uses Moses as his example, and you think about Moses, when all Moses was doing was tending sheep, and he's out in the Sinai Desert, and he's out tending sheep, and he sees this bush on fire, but it doesn't go out. It just catches his attention in God's perfect time. But also, God is just using that to get Moses to walk over there. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. God knows he's going to be there and uses this moment, event, whatever, to speak to Moses. This is why this is so important. Moses didn't wake up one morning and go, I, I need to go back to Egypt and get those people out. All those people are still enslaved and I really think I'm the guy who's supposed to get it. And so I'm going to start getting myself prepared for this like a Rocky Balboa movie. You know, where he's training and preparing to go take on Pharaoh, you know, and you got music playing in the background because he's got it in his head. I'm going to go get the people. I'm going to go get the people. doesn't happen like that at all. 
Moses has forgotten. Moved on. That God, that's out. God hasn't forgotten his mission for Moses. Moses has forgotten his mission. But at just the right time, God comes and moves him to the right place. And all Moses is doing is just doing what Moses always does. Why is this important? Because that's the same exact way God relates to us today. He knows exactly what you're doing. He knows exactly where you are. And if you need to be somewhere else, if you really need to be there, he will move you in that direction. Because he knows you. And he knows what it would take. He knows what shiny object he has to flash over here to get you to move that way. To get you to go right instead of go left. To get you to turn into the garage to go open the freezer as opposed to not doing it. He knows how to move you where you need to be moved and is moving you and you don't even know it. You don't even realize it. Because that's how God does things. And all that Mary and Joseph are doing is simply obeying the laws of the land, going where they're supposed to be. It's not Joseph isn't reading the Old Testament going, Mary, this baby's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. We need to start going to Bethlehem and find a place for the baby to be born. And I'm pretty confident that in the future, they're going to be building all these little barns with our baby inside of it. So we probably need to find something that looks like that to have the baby in. Because that would be, you know, can you imagine if they were born at a day's end? And we'd have little days in set up all over churches everywhere in our homes, in our living room, little days ins with room 202 where Jesus was born. It's so much better, isn't it, that he was born in a barn? That's so much easier to recreate. A little lean-to. But no, he wasn't thinking those things. Look in verse 4. It says, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee... This is where he lives, in the northern part of Judea, separated by Samaria. And he goes to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and family line of David. It's also where Jesus was prophesied to be born. Now, this is not what they're thinking about. But it's what God's thinking about. So Mary and Joseph don't have to get it right because God gets it right. Verse 5, to be registered along with Mary who was engaged to him and was pregnant. Now, in this case, Joseph didn't even have anything to do with that. God put the baby in Mary. And all Joseph has to do is stay with her. And God will do the rest. It says, While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. That's the CSB. They just don't realize. It's supposed to say there was no room left for them in the end. I don't know why they feel like they have to translate it just according to what the words say. Anyway. We won't argue over it. The idea was, and and this is, I think sometimes we get this in, that there's a hotel and they go there and so forth, but 
when people would travel, the, one of the things about Jewish people in, in this time period and in, in the Old Testament even, hospitality was a big thing. So you would go somewhere and it could just be somebody's house. And you would say, can we stay with you? And they would keep rooms, you would keep rooms available for travelers because there were no hotels, there were no places like that. So this was just a form of hospitality. And there wasn't any place for them to stay. All these places have been filled up. We're not able to give any more. This is a very natural event. I mean, we get this this poor innkeeper has this huge role in history of being this bad guy. But it would be you. It would be you being the one who lives in Bethlehem and they come to your house and knock on your door and you've got somebody in every bedroom and people all over your floor and you're like, you know what, I just can't handle any more people. I'm sorry. And finally, actually this guy says, but I think I have something. And, you know, it's a, it's a barn, basically. And so we're going to take you and put you in a place where... Whether some people think it's a cave underneath the ground, doesn't matter. It's just a, it was a place where people could stay. And you're having, and and plus, think about it. You got 40 people crowded into your living room, and she says, "I'm getting ready to have a baby." Is that where you want to have a baby? Right in the midst of a crowded room of 40 people. So he's trying to find a place where you could deliver a baby. Not ideal, but it's just. And not ideal time. And here's the thing that I think we all should appreciate for those who've been through this process of childbirth. Have you ever been able to predict when that was going to happen? I mean, can you say she's going to have the baby Tuesday? And so let's plan around that for the fullness of time? No, it's, it's the baby is coming Again, going back to God's timing, exactly when the baby needs to be born. Where the baby needs, because the baby could have been born earlier, before they got to Bethlehem, after they left Bethlehem, but right when they're in Bethlehem, at this moment, now is the time. And here's what I wanted to pull out of this. Continue to live life doing the best you can to obey God and please Him according to His Word and trust that God will get you where you need to be. Continue to live life doing the best you can to obey God and please Him according to His Word and trust that God will get you where you need to be. Now, I was trying to think of a way to say that where it didn't um, sound like I'm doing everything here, but just simply, this is the idea. Just live your life faithfully. Live life. Just do, wake up every day, have your quiet time, spend time with the Lord, love your spouse, love your kids, love your family, do your job, do your job faithfully as unto the Lord, as you are being obedient and doing what God wants you to do and and being as faithful to his word, trust that God will get you where you need to be. I love Oswald Chambers and have read through his devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, many, many times. It's very good. And um, one of the things he says in it is, you may think you're of no use where you are, but you are certainly of no use where you're not. And I love that little saying because I remind myself of that all the time. I may think I'm not of any use here, but I'm certainly of no use where I'm not. You may think, well, I'd be so much better if I was over here, over there. But you're not there. 
when people talk about whether they should join the church or not here or not, I'm like, are you going to another church? Are you going to be a part of another church? If you are, we'll go if you're going to another church. But if you're not going to another church, why would you not join here and be a part of what we're doing here while you're here? Because you may think you're not of any use here, but you're certainly of no use where you're not. That just sounds right, doesn't it? And I know many times we think, I, if I could just get this job, or, or this could happen, or if this would work out, or I could finish this degree, or marry this person, or be in this place, or all these different things would happen. It's like, you know, if those things need to happen for you to fulfill God's plan for your life, He will make them happen in His time. He will move the world to make those things happen. So do not worry about it. You just be faithful. He always, he has never come upon somebody and said, you need to figure this out and you need to work hard to get yourself to this place. Everybody in the Bible gets where God wants them to be through God's direction. Not only does he have great timing, not only does he have his perfect direction, he also has provision. Now, I've already read these two verses. We're going to go back and read them again. Verse 6, he says, While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You may not have what you thought you needed, but trust you have what God knows you need. You may not have what you thought you needed, but trust that you have what God knows you need. This is a good time of year to remember this. Because we all think in terms of what we want to buy people for Christmas, what we want for Christmas, what, we, what, what I need. This is what I need. I really need this. Well, you think you need it. And that's all we can do. We can just think of what we need. But God knows what you need. He knows what you absolutely need in order to get things done. You know, it is not, we, when we look at, the again, the manger scene and think of it and think, oh, it's so sad that they had to be born. No, it's not sad. It's exactly where they needed to be. And everything that needed to be there was there. God's making a point. It didn't, he wasn't trying to create some lavish circumstance. He's not trying to say, look, with all this wealth and everything, then you can do it the way I want it to be done. No, he's saying, you can accomplish my will. You can be the king of the universe in a barn. Born in a manger. By giving Jesus the most humble of beginnings, he gives all of us with humble beginnings hope. And strengthens our faith. We can trust this is what I needed. Because if you if you start thinking, well, if I had been born to this, or if I had been born with that, or if I would had this, or given this, or if I would won the lottery, or if I would had this better job, or if I would married a better person, or if I accomplished this, or had this kind of parent instead of that kind of parent, then think of all that I could have done. And God's saying, that's nothing to do with those things. You have everything you need in order to be and do everything I created you to be and do. 
If you need these other things, if you need this degree, if you need this wealth, if you need these clothes, if you need this house, if you need this car to do what I want you to do, I'll give it to you. I'll provide it. But Jesus was a living demonstration of how simply a person could live and accomplish God's will. Change the world. And God is just trying to move us all in that same direction. He's just, I just want you to trust that I will give you what you need to have in order to do what I want you to do. Now, I'm very grateful for air conditioning and the heat. I'm very grateful for a car to get around in. I'm very grateful for the kind of food that's available to us in abundance. The clothes we have to wear. I'm very grateful for living in a country that believes in deodorant. You know, it seems like a small thing, but I've been elsewhere. But I also know this. Wherever I am, and whatever circumstances God allows me to be in, that He will provide what I need in order to do His will. In fact, He says it. He says, whatever you need, whatever you ask, if, if you need anything in order to do my will, ask for it. If you ask for it, I will give it to you. You will not ever be lacking. That's that's a promise. I used to think that that verse was just one of those verses in the Bible that that God says, yeah, I said that, but it really doesn't mean that. No, it means exactly what he says. He says, if we need something in order to accomplish his will, he will give it to us. Now think of how powerful it is. That means that any circumstances in life, if you come to a place and you think, this is what God wants me to do, but I don't have something that I need to do it, God says, then ask for it. And if you ask for it, I will, I promise you, based on my own word, on my name, I will give it to you. So that means if you ask for it and he does not give it to you, It's a question, which do you think is more possible? That you misunderstood what you needed or that God lied? And I'm going to tell you, God doesn't lie. And I'm very capable of misunderstanding what I need. If I had to choose between those two, I'm going to give God the benefit of the doubt every time. Because he knows and I don't. And if you're in that situation and you ask God, God, I need a new car, and you don't get a new car, then this is God saying, you don't need a new car. You just thought you did. But I'm going to be able to do what I want you to do without the new car. Today, we come to this time to pray again. The invitation is exactly the same prayer as last week. Pray for your faith. And pray for the faith of others. This is why this is so important. Because... You may be struggling today. You may be struggling with God's timing. You may be struggling with God's direction. You may be struggling with God's provision. Think of how often in our lives those three things always weigh on us. If this has just happened earlier, or if it's just been a little later, or could we just not wait, or why can't that happen now? God, if... If you could just get me here, if I was just here, there instead of here, then oh, so much could be done. If I could just be there. 
And God, if I just had the resources, think of our church. Think of the church's history. If this just happened here and this had just happened here, then, oh, think of all that could have been done. Well, God knows all those things. Now, I'm not saying mistakes aren't made and we don't do things to get ourselves in a place we shouldn't be in or whatever. But what I am saying is when you come to your senses and you begin to say, okay, all right, now I realize I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But like us as a church or me as a person or you as a person, we say, okay, I, we haven't been where we're supposed to be, but now we want to be. God says at that moment, at that place, Now, according to his timing, he will now accomplish his will. He will now get us where we need to be. And he will provide everything we need in order to do it. Just like a prodigal son coming home. There wasn't a dad waiting at home going, if you just come a week earlier. There wasn't a dad waiting at home going, you're in the wrong place. There wasn't a dad at home going, I gave everything to your older brother. Got nothing for you. No, there was a dad at home going. You're home. At the right time. In the right place. And everything I need to give you, I will give you. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for how great and amazing you are. And Lord, just pray this morning that we will have faith. That we will believe that if we will turn to you, that if we will turn away from our sin, it will turn away from us trying to fix our lives or being distracted or whatever it is we were doing that got us away from you, we'll turn back to you. That you will bring us back into obeying and doing your will. Lord, you'll get us into the right time, into the right place, with all that we need in order to do your will if we will just return to you Father if we are there if we believe we are in the center of your will Lord if we believe that we are where we need to be that we are when we need to be that we are we have everything we need may we pray for others who we know do not feel that way and we all know people who don't feel that way But Lord, increase our faith. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me as we have this time of invitation. I'm just going to open up the altar this morning. This may be the moment. You you may come this morning and to pray, and, and we always want to give you the opportunity to pray. This may be the exact moment that God has brought you here today. You may not have even planned to be here today. You definitely may not have planned to come to the altar today or respond, but now you realize that it is this is the time. And God is directing your steps to be right here, obeying Him. And when you cry out to Him and when you ask Him, if you ask Him from anything from salvation to eternal life, to whatever you need, if you think you need that new job, if you think you need a new place or whatever direction, ask Him. And this is what you can know if you do need it. He's going to give it to you. He's going to bless you. Let me qualify this. He says, though, if you don't ask, you don't receive. 
James says, you have not because you ask not. He wants you to come to him and ask him for his help. So that you are showing, demonstrating that you believe he is God. And you are not. That you do need him. So that's why we create this moment. This is your moment. This, this altar. So why, did, why does he have this altar call every single week? Because I believe every single week there are people in this room who need to come to God and ask him for something. It may be for you. It may be for someone else. I said pray for faith or pray for somebody else's faith, but you can pray for anything. Believing God will provide it, as we say. <laughs>